Gospel of John, Gospel of John chapter 13. We're going to, of course, start there at verse 1. Gospel of John chapter 13, verse 1. We're going to, we're going to kind of go read through this story of Jesus Christ and the disciples, and we see what we can glean from it, but you're going to find out the very first verse is going to tell you what this sermon is going to be about. This first verse, chapter 13, verse 1, is going to tell you what this whole sermon is going to be about. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, I want to focus on the end of verse 1 of chapter 13. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Guys, I want to preach this morning on our loving Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your love towards me, Lord, when I don't deserve it, Lord. I thank you, Lord, when I'm unlovable, Lord, you find a way to love me. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that your love is, is infinite. It's unconditional, Lord. And Father, I know I found it at the cross, at the cross of Jesus Christ, Lord God. And when I got underneath that blood, Lord God, I found more love than I could ever imagine, Lord. And uh, Father, I, I love you back. I know I don't love you like I should. I don't love you with enough of my heart like I should, Lord God, but I pray you forgive me, Lord God, but in that little bit of, uh, in, in this sinner's heart, Lord God, that I try to reach out to you in my love to you, Lord, Lord in my prayer life and in and, and my walk with you, Lord God, that you, you would honor that, Lord God, and remember, Lord, that I'm just a sinner, Lord God, and I'm nothing, I'm absolutely nothing without you. And I thank you for your love, Lord God, and I thank you for these words, and I thank you for these people that come out this morning, Lord, I pray you bless them. Lord, I pray you honor them, Lord God, that honor that they came out here to hear from you, Lord God. And I pray, Father, you wouldn't let them down, Lord. Feed us uh, like it's manna from heaven, Lord God. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. You have a Savior that loves you. Amen. It's as simple as that. You have a Savior. You have a Lord and Savior that loves you. I, I, I see, and I, you know, I do a lot of study on other religions. I do a lot of study on other uh, denominations. That's why I bring them up so much. But one of the things I've realized in my studies about Muhammad and about Buddha and about some of these other religions, Confucius and everything, is they didn't love, they don't love their followers. I mean, they have good, they, sometimes it's decent advice, sometimes it's worldly advice, sometimes, but they don't love them. And that's the difference. That's what separates out Jesus Christ from everybody. All these other fakers is that he actually loves you. So how much does he love me, Pastor? He loved you enough to die for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't have to die, but he did. And why did he die? He died because he loved you. And you're about to see that love. And he loves you, and he loved them to the end. He kept on loving them. He didn't just start loving them and then said, you know what, guys, y'all are sorry, no good. Peter, I'm about tired of you, Peter. I'm not loving on you anymore. No, he kept on loving on Peter. And if you read about Peter, Peter doesn't deserve it half the time, amen. Peter's arguing with the Lord. Peter's bickering with the Lord. Peter's cutting off servants' ears. Peter's denying the Lord. But you know what? The Lord loved him to the end. So I don't know what kind of state you're in this morning, Christian, as far as your walk with the Lord is, but I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ still loves you. It's an unconditional love. And supper being ended, verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So this was the end. They're about to finish up. They're about to do. Uh, they're about to finish things up, and it says the devil, having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, brothers and sisters, you got to guard your heart. 
You need to guard your heart. The devil will put things into your heart that shouldn't be there. And you need to guard your heart. And the world, it, the world through uh, the internet, through TV, through music, through uh, culture, through education, they're always trying to get into your heart and put stuff into your heart that does not belong there. And what they want to do is they want you, at the very least, to kick God out of your heart, kick Jesus Christ out of your heart, and put in whatever other God, lowercase g, they've come up with, and to put that, if it's the God of socialism, if it's the God of humanism, if it's the God of doing this or doing that, it's that, whatever little God they put in, they want you to kick out your God and put in their God. And the problem with that is their God doesn't love you. And you've got a God that loves you and wants to take care of you and cares for you. And the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So the devil can put stuff in your heart that don't belong there. You've got to guard your heart. And the world's going to tell you the total opposite. The world's going to say, just follow your heart. Jeremiah 17 says, your heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what it says about every one of our hearts in here. It'll deceive you. Verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, knowing he was manifest from God, he's God in the flesh. Verse 4. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. It's amazing. It's mind-boggling to me. Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, I love y'all guys, but I'm not washing any of y'all's feet. <laughs> and you know, we had uh, Brother George Roberts who was in this church. He's the one that brought me here. He was up there at Mount Zion. They had a church up there, and they did foot washing up there. They took, the, and we'll talk about this a little bit. They took, this, they took this as an ordinance that they should wash each other's feet. And he said, yeah, he told me, he told me one time, he goes, Brother Kigan, he goes, you want to have a foot washing? I said, Brother George, does I look stupid? No, I don't want to have a foot washing. I don't want you touch, touching my nasty feet, and I don't want to touch your nasty feet. My point is, is that Jesus Christ, he's about to give us an example. He's about to do something that, to me, is very humbling. Here's the Lord, creator of the universe their creator, getting down, girding himself, making, he, he makes the water. He doesn't say, hey, y'all, go give me some water, give me a towel, give me some water. He goes and gets the towel. He goes and gets the water. He goes, he bends down. He bends down in front of them. He's going to wash their feet. He's showing us something. He's showing us some love that a lot of us in here don't have. Now I'm looking at myself. He's showing us some love that a lot of us don't have. Verse 6, Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? See, that's my question. Jesus, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm supposed to be washing your feet. There's, is there not a time in here that we meditate on heaven and think about what it's like to get into heaven? And if you meditate long enough, you start meditating on, you're going to get to see family. You're going to get to see moms. You're going to get to see some relatives, some dads. Somebody, some, some brothers and sisters of Christ have gone on before. You're going to get to meet them. But if you meditate long enough, there's one person you know you're going to see. His name's Jesus Christ. And if you meditate long enough on that, you start thinking, what's it going to be like when I get to heaven and I finally get to see what Jesus Christ looks like? When I get to see his face, the one I preached about, the one I prayed to, the one I put my trust in, the one that saved me when I'm unsavable. 
What am I going to do when I finally see him? And it always comes to my heart, and I don't know if you speak for yourself, but it comes to my heart that I'm going to have to get down on my knees, and I'm going to have to beg, and I'm going to have to put some tears on those feet. I'm going to have to thank him. Because he didn't have to save me. And he doesn't have to keep me. And he doesn't have to love me, but he does. And I couldn't imagine the Lord saying, Now, Keegan, you sit right down there. I'm going to go ahead and wash your feet. I'd be like, Peter, no, Lord, what are you doing? I want to wash your feet. I want to take care of you. You're worthy to be washed. You're worthy to be worshipped, Lord. Peter's saying, I'm not worthy. What are you doing? Look at verse 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. All right, brothers and sisters, this is what we talked about in Sunday school. If you ever want to get into the deeper things of God in the Bible, I encourage you to show up on Wednesday night, show up on Sunday school, because there's some things I'm teaching, and it's hard to preach it. Sometimes I, I, I kind of infer to it in my preaching, but you just can't. it's not the same as teaching it you know, word by word. But in Sunday school this morning, what I showed was that what happened when the disciples came out of the day of Pentecost is they didn't have a full knowledge of what Jesus Christ and the Lord God Father was going to do with the world through Jesus Christ. They, had that, they didn't have that full knowledge. They had the Holy Spirit, but they came out and they were preaching in somewhat ignorance that what they were preaching. And they were preaching just what they knew. And when you follow the scriptures and you follow Acts chapter 1 through 10, through Acts 15, 16, to Romans, you start seeing this transition where they start figuring it out, and then by Acts chapter 15, they're deciding, okay, now we see that you're saved by faith plus nothing. It's Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. So what Jesus is telling Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but one day you will. And what Peter is not, doesn't understand is that Jesus Christ has shown him something in the spiritual sense. Because all Peter sees is the physical. He sees physically, my Savior is physically washing my feet. And that is what he's doing. But there's something spiritual to this. And Peter, um, Jesus says, you don't understand it right now, Peter, but one day you will. And he did. He did. And this is what he didn't understand, verse 8. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. <laughs> Woo. See what I'm talking about? Peter, kind of hard to love him. Hey, sit down, I'm going to wash your feet. You're not washing my feet. Now sit down, you don't understand what I'm doing. Peter, just, just sit down, Peter. I'm washing your feet. You're never going to wash my feet, Lord. You know what that comes from? Self-righteousness. Arrogance. When the Lord tells you to do something, you think you know better. You call him Lord, Lord, but you don't do what he tells you to do. You don't know what you're doing, Lord. You're not washing my feet. You'll never wash my feet. And the Lord says, answered Jesus, answered him, verse 8, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have nothing to do with me. So Jesus straightens him out. Make sure he understands. If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? We just got through singing it. There's power in the blood. Can you say I've been washed? Can you say I've been washed? Amen. Verse 9. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> I love old Peter, man. Peter, man, he's, just, he's, he's got to have been a Texan. 
He's got to been. He just had to been. The, the descendants of Peter had to have moved over here to Texas. He says, well, Lord, well, if, you got, if that's the way it is, then just wash me from head to toe. Lord, just wash the whole, my whole body. If that's how it's got to be, I'll just take a whole washing. Verse 10, Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. Jesus says, Peter, you don't need your whole body washed, you just need your feet cleaned a little bit. You're already clean. You're already clean, Peter. You just need your feet cleaned a little bit. But is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. Goes on, verse 11, to say, For he knew who should betray him, therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. So what's going on? Jesus Christ is telling him, Peter, you're clean, but you've been walking in the world, you've been picking up some dirt on your feet in this dirty world, and your body's clean, I just need to clean your feet. Now there's some people that are here to me, with me, there's at least one guy here, there's one guy here with me that's not clean. At all. What, John, what Jesus Christ is trying to tell Peter, and John's there, and the whole disciples, what he's trying to tell them, and they don't understand yet because they don't have that concept of the Holy Spirit living in them to give them this revelation is, that once you're saved, you're saved. You're clean. But we all walk in this dirty world, and we need to have that daily cleansing by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and have our feet clean. We need it. We need to confess our sins. I thought you said you were saved. Yes. I thought you said your sins were under the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, but I still need to ask Jesus Christ to forgive me for some things. I'm still walking around in this dirty world. And that's what Jesus says. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not saved to wash his feet. You're saved. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. But you walk in this world, in this daily walk in this world, this di dirty, filthy, nasty world. You pick some stuff up you shouldn't pick up. You hear some things you shouldn't hear. You see some things you shouldn't see. You say some things you shouldn't say. There's all the world that's around you and you're dealing with it. And the Lord says, just get down and you need to stop. You need to have some time with me and let me do a little cleaning on you. Wash your feet. Brothers and sisters, that speaks to a daily confession of sins. And if you don't have sins to confess daily, boy, you're a better Christian than me. And praise God, maybe you are. But I, I'll be honest with you, man, every day I could think of something. I could think of something. Sometimes, and, you, and I'm not saying I'm confessing to trying to kill somebody. Now, I might have thought about it, but I, I'm, not, I'm talking about confession stuff like this. Sometimes my confession life is something like this. Lord, I'm sorry I didn't tell them about you when I had a chance. Lord, I'm sorry I didn't give them a track. I was right there and I didn't do it. Lord, please forgive me. Sometimes it's not what we did, but what we didn't do. Lord, I could have helped that person out or I could have said something. I could have said the right thing, Lord, and I just kept my mouth shut. I could have told them about you, Lord. I could have invited them to church. I could have. There's sometimes it's not what we do, brothers and sisters, that, get, that causes us to sin. Sometimes it's the sin of not doing it's a sin of omission. And we forget about that. It's incredible to me, brothers and sisters, it's mind-boggling that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He knows what's going on. 
He knows all things. He knows the process of all things. He knows, according to verse 2, that the devil's already in Judas's heart. And yet he chooses to wash the disciples' feet with Judas there when he could have chose to wait till Judas to leave and then get down on his knees and wash their feet. But our Lord and Savior did something that always has boggled my mind, that he, would wait. he didn't wait. He went right then and said, okay, I'm going to wash everybody's feet, including Judas. Maybe I think too much like a worldly man, but I thought, man, if I, I, I would, I, I know I kid around a lot about this because I like to joke too much sometimes. But if y'all honestly need something, I would get down and wash your feet. Now, I might be going, ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. I might be kind of throwing up a little bit in my mouth, but I would wash your feet out of love. I think I would. But if one of y'all I knew was out to get me, one of y'all sorry dogs was out to hurt me? And that's what Judas was doing? If one of you sorry dogs was out to kill me? And we had a foot wash in the hair? And I got to you and I got to your foot? I'd take that foot and I'd, yeah, I'd try to break that ankle. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm saying, I'd get there and I'd be like, how you doing, brother? Ah! And then I'd go, ah, and then I'd jump up just like a good mob boss and say, he's out to kill me, get him. That's what I thought Jesus should have done. This is him, boys. You know, break his knee. Ah, you know. Good mob boss. That's not our Savior. That's not what he wants me to do. Verse 12. Follow with me. Verse 12, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know you, know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. What's interesting about that is when you look through Scripture, the, one that, the main one that calls Jesus Christ Master is Judas. You'll see Judas all through Scripture called Jesus Master. You call me master? It's like he's directly talking to Judas. You call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Hmm. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So he's given us an example so let's break that down. Let's break down what the example of Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has given us. First off, He's given us an example that spiritually, number one, spiritually we are saved. Peter needed to be, was clean, but he just needed to have his feet washed. That spiritually we are saved, but we need to have our sins washed and forgiven as we walk through this world daily. And I've already talked about that. That's the first example that's given to us. And that's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Praise the Lord. If we confess our sin, He, is, he Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we come to the Lord and say, Lord, my feet are a little dirty. I've been walking around places I shouldn't walk. I've been doing things I shouldn't do. The Lord says, come here, give me your hands. Give me your feet. I'll wash them off a little bit. That's the example he's showing us. Secondly, secondly, secondly. Now listen to me. Secondly, the example is since our Lord is willing to humble himself and forgive us when he does not have to. Amen. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did not have to humble himself. He did not have to get down and wash the disciples' feet. He did not have to do that, but he did it, and he forgave them, and he was washing them and cleansing them and forgiving them. As an example, we should be willing to humbly forgive others because we are not greater than our Lord to hold it against somebody. I'll read that again because this one I don't even like. We should be willing to humbly forgive others because we are not greater than our Lord to hold it against someone. Who was in that? Who was in that? All those guys needed cleanse. He washed every one of them, including the one that wasn't even clean, Judas. He said he wasn't clean, according to verse 10. Look at verse 16. We should humbly, be willing to humbly forgive others. Verily I say unto you, verily, verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. See, we're not greater than Jesus Christ, but some of us in here, and including me, some of us in here, we tend to think that we don't have to forgive somebody because we know what they deserve. And the Lord and His infinite love and wisdom has shown us that you should humble yourself down and be willing to forgive others when they don't deserve it. He forgave us. You can't humble yourself down and forgive others? Are you saying that you're greater than the Lord and you know how you should hold it against them when the Lord's willing not to hold it against them? The third example he gives us, that one went over good. I knew it would because it didn't go over good when I was looking at it and studying it. The third example he gives us, and this is one that's mind-boggling to me, but this is our God and this is our Savior, Jesus Christ. The third example he gives us in this foot washing is, since Jesus washed the feet of the man who would cause his death, Jesus washed the feet of Judas who was going to get him killed on purpose. We should not discriminate in our love while serving others. What that example shows us is that we should not discriminate against others when we're showing and serving them in our love. See, Jesus was showing love. He loved them until the end. And that's true love, washing their feet in love, cleaning up in love. He's cleaning them up because he loved them. But in that cleansing, there was somebody who's unclean that didn't belong to him, that was going to go to hell. And there is Judas, and he still cleaned his feet right along with everybody else. I have given you an example. That's what the Lord showed me. Because it mind-boggled me. I'm like, Lord, why did you, why didn't you wait till Judas left? Why did you wash Judas's feet? And the Lord's basically saying, Well, that's what I want you to do. I want you to love those that don't need to be loved. I want you to love those that don't deserve to be loved. I want you to love those that aren't going to thank you. I want you to love the unlovable. 
I want you to wash the people that don't deserve to have their feet washed. I want you to serve people in love just like you serve your brothers and sisters in love. Would you do that for a brother and sister in Christ? Yes, Lord. Well, then I want you to do it for them. We don't like that. We like to get this little group like, okay, let's all get this family. It's a church family. Let's all gather around. Let's all love on each other. No, that person down the road that's not coming to church, they deserve the same love. If not more of it. Because they're not getting it from God right now. We're getting it from God through Jesus Christ. They're living in the world. Their God is the devil. They're not getting the love we're getting. If anybody deserves love, if anybody deserves to be humbly served, it's the men and women out there that don't have God's love. And we seem to focus on, let's focus on serving one another. And we should serve one another. But in serving one another, there's going to be Judases among us. There's going to be lost people among us. And we, they deserve the same treatment as everybody else. We should not be discriminating in our love while serving one another and serving others. But we do, and we, not, we should not be doing that. Look at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. It's easy to get like this. I know, man, I'm like it. Man, there's nobody more cold-hearted in this church than me. There's nobody meaner in this church than me. I promise you that. I love to be mean. Ask my sister. She's sitting in here. She'll tell you story after story. But you're not allowed to talk to her. But you, she'll tell you story after story. I'm mean. I'm hateful. I got a hateful attitude. Ask my wife. I mean, she probably, my wife's probably wondering, this guy's a preacher? I hate them. I hate that. I hate this. I hate this. I hate that. I hate that. They all can go to hell. I hate this and I hate that. And then the Lord convicts me. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. You know. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 31. This is the true Jesus Christ. And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Most incredible, simple life advice any man or woman in this church could ever be given. Just doing to others as you have done unto you. I was in a, I was in a school, I think it was Bangs, it might have been Brown, I was in a school... And I was in the, I was in the uh, offices, and they had that quote on there, do unto others as you had done unto you. And then it, under there it said golden rule. It said the golden rule. Do unto others as you had done unto the golden rule. And then on the other wall it said something like, uh, it had a quote from Martin Luther King. I can't remember what the quote was. I don't want to misquote him. It had a quote from Martin Luther King, and it had the quote, and then it said Martin Luther King. And that stirred me up. You know why that stirred me up? Because you know who said that, doing others is doing you? Jesus Christ said that. Give him the credit. You took the credit away from him and put the golden rule. The only golden rule in the world is, he that has the gold makes the rules. That's the golden rule. That quote right there, that's Jesus Christ. That's who said that. And that's who's saying that to you right here. Just doing to others as you have done unto you. Who, who others? Every other <laughs> Not just church members, not just people you like or family members. Everybody you meet, be it the person you pull up at a fast food restaurant, at the, at the counter, or at the, at the fast food restaurant drive through or at the grocery store, or that person that's rude to you in the line at Walmart, you do unto them as you'd want them to do unto you. And I don't like that. Because <laughs> it's like, you treat me that way? Okay, I'm going to treat you this way, you know. 
And the Lord don't want me to be that way. And he's had to work on me. He's had to take this old cold, hard heart, and he's had to just, just hammer on it. I mean, just hammer on it. He's broke me and broke me. I've had brothers, you're still dealing with that kidney stone? Yeah, the Lord's probably going to make me deal with kidney stones the rest of my life. You know why? Because I deserve it. He said, well, I can't give you a, a heart stone, so I'll just give you a kidney stone. And next thing, if you don't act, start straightening up, Keegan Hall, I'll make this heart go, and then you'll kill over. If I died tonight, brothers and sisters, don't cry over me. I deserved it. And I'll be in heaven, amen. Amen. <laughs> Guys, I mean, I don't know, man. The closer you get to the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bigger sinner you realize you are. And you get away from the Lord Jesus Christ, you get in the world, you start thinking you're pretty good. Well, you know, I'm a pretty good old boy. I don't do that, and I don't do this, and I don't drink this, and I don't. You start thinking you're pretty good. But when you start getting into the Word of God, and you start getting into the relationship with Jesus Christ, you start getting around His holiness. Just like Peter said, Lord, depart from me because I'm a sinful man. That's what happens to a man. You don't start feeling holier. You start feeling sinful. Because His glory shines on all your nastiness and dirtiness. And you're like, Lord, I need clean. Verse 32, for just, of course, these are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Amen. In this world right now, if you think the same way politically or socially, people will love you that think that way. If you don't think the same way politically or socially, they will hate you. If you don't follow the same football team, they will hate you. If you follow the same football team, they will love you. Because they love those that love the things they love. And they hate those that hate the things that they hate. They don't, they, that's how this world works. Jesus Christ says, if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. Sinners love on each other. They do good things for each other. They do all kinds of things for each other. But guys, what separates out a Christian is we're willing to do good things to our enemies. We're willing to get down like our Lord and Savior showed us and say, let me wash your feet, Judas. You hate me, you're about to betray me, you're about to try to see me get killed and murdered at the cross, and I'm going to wash your feet humbly. And Jesus Christ, I showed you an example. And my example is, we've got to love our enemies. It said in verse 2 of John 13 that the devil was in his heart when Jesus was on his knees washing his feet. It's an amazing concept. Verse 34, and if you lend to them who, whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. That's, that's where the world gets it. The world sees like the Mormons. And you get around up, up in Utah in the Mormon culture, what happens is they have a very strong-knit family culture there. And in that strong-knit Mormon culture, they got this strong-knit They take care of each other. They hire the same Mormons. They, they love on each other. If something happens, all the Mormons run over there and they love on each other. They're very close. They're very knit. But they're all going to hell. They have a different Jesus. But when, it come, when you're an outsider in that Mormon community, they don't take care of you. They love on each other. 
But they don't love on those that don't love them. That's what he's talking about. That's where we should be, that's where we should be different. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have Christ living in us. We should be able to love on those that don't love us. That don't deserve it. It's tough. I'm not in here telling you this is the best thing you're going to hear all day. What I'm here to tell you is if you'll do this stuff, Jesus Christ says, happy you'll be. Happy you'll be. You'll be happy. Look at verse 35. But love your enemies. Love ye your enemies. And do good. And lend hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. You know who's unthankful and evil? Judas. Was Jesus kind to him? Yes. He got down on his knees and he washed his feet right along with everybody else. For he is kind unto the unthankful. You know, we, we do something for people. I know I do it all the time. You do something for people and you think, Lord, they didn't even thank me. They didn't even thank me. And the Lord says, yeah, I will do it anyway. Because I'm doing it. You know how Judas thanked Jesus Christ for humbly getting down on his knees and washing his feet humbly? You know how Judas Christ thanked him? Judas Christ is about to stand up. Judas Christ is about, Judas Iscariot is about to leave and go betray him to get him killed for 30 pieces of silver. That's how much Judas thanked him. And brothers and sisters, you're going to serve some people that are going to turn on you. They're going to not thank you. They're going to talk bad about you. They're going to talk bad about Jesus. They're going to talk bad about your family. But you know what the Lord says is keep on doing it. Here's a thought. Be different. The world tells you, strike them back. If they do unto you, do unto them. Strike them back. Do this, do that. Do di be different and say, no, I'm going to love them. I'm going to show them some love. Well, they don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it from Jesus, and he gave it to me. Turn back to John. And I'll close. Please, John 13. Please, John 13, I'll show you. Because I know how y'all think, because I think the same way. <laughs> John, John 13, verse 18. I know what y'all are thinking. I know what some of y'all are thinking. Because I think the same way. Y'all old sinners. I'm a sinner too, so I think the same way. Because I know what's going through some of y'all's minds. Yeah, brother, but <laughs> I know who deserves it. I know who deserves to have the love, and I know who des doesn't deserve to have the love. You're right. You're absolutely right. But let me ask you this. Do you think, do you, are you really 100% sure you know who deserves it and who doesn't? Let me show you this. Look at verse 18. John chapter 13, verse 18, and we're closing up. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. And he said in John chapter 6, he chose one of them, which was the devil, which was Judas. But that the scripture might be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lit up his hill against me. That's Psalm 44, 9. Then verse 19, now I tell you before it come, to, come that, when it, is, when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Jesus Christ said, I'm showing you, I'm telling you what's going to happen before it happens so you know that I'm the Lord God, I'm deity. That's how God proves his deity. But look at verse 20. 
Verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one to another, doubting of whom he spake. See, that's what you don't get. Well, I know, you know, I know who deserves it. See that old, that, that old bum living underneath the bridge? He don't deserve what he, he's getting. Exactly what he deserves. He don't deserve any kind of love. You see that person in that three-piece suit? He deserves my love. He deserves my attention. See that person sitting in the church? They deserve my attention. They deserve my love, Lord. I don't have to give my love to anybody else. They already deserve it. But I'm here to show you that when Jesus Christ said, one of y'all's going to betray me, and there was only 12 of them there, you know what they did? They looked around and they said, who is it? In Matthew chapter 26, when this same thing takes place, Matthew records the disciples saying, Lord, is it I? Matthew 26, 22. I'm going to read that to you. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say to him, Lord, is it I? So when Jesus says, hey, one of you twelve is going to betray me, they didn't automatically all go, oh, I know it's Judas. I know it's him. Look at him. He even has a crooked nose. Look at him. Look, look how ugly he looks. He's, he's, you know he's wicked. They all look at each other and go, Lord, is it I? See, you think you know whom you're supposed to love, and you think you know who you're not supposed to love. The Lord knows who it is. And you're just supposed to love indiscriminately. Because you can't tell. And neither could the disciples. They walked with Judas for three years. And didn't know it was him. They're turning around like, Lord, is it I? Who, who is it, Lord? Who is it? See, we got this. We watch movies with Jesus. And they always show Judas. And he always has this like wicked look, you know. And, you know, like, there's Judas Iscariot, and he always has, like, he's cutting his eyes, you know. And he's got the money bag and his saliva, you know, got forked tongue and everything. Judas looked like some of the nicest guys you could have ever met. Judas was one of the most friendly, kind, shake your hand, look you in the eyes, a man's man. He's a likable, funny, laughable. He, everything, you loved him, everything was great about him. Man, you know, Lord, you know you want me to love on him. And he was a devil full of the devil. And they couldn't tell. So this idea that we're going to just pick and choose who we're going to love, the Lord says you don't have enough sense to pick and choose who to love and not to love. You just love on everybody. That's what I did. I showed you. Of course, we know that Jesus Christ revealed it to John that it was going to be Judas. And you can read that. But look at the very end. Look at verse 34, John 13, and I'm closing. In closing, John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verse 34, in closing. Jesus Christ says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. No, guys, I know this love, that's one of the hardest teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is to love our enemies and to have that love that where you're willing to humble yourself down in front of an enemy and do things you don't want to do for an enemy. You would do it for somebody you love, but you don't want to do it for an enemy. And the Lord says, do it anyway. 
That's one of the hardest teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But if there's one thing we should have above all else, when somebody walks in this church, they should be able to see that we have a love one for another. If we can't at least show a love one for another, how are we going to show love to the people on the outside? Or to our neighbors? Or to the people at Walmart? Or wherever you're going shopping? How are we going to do it? We can't. So it's got to start right here. We've got to have love one for another. And then people will say, you know what? That's what I want. I want to have that love. And that love is Jesus Christ loving us through each other. Amen? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, that you love us. Thank you for all the love you've shown us. You've showered on us, Lord God. I can't thank you enough for loving on me. You've shown me some love, Lord, when I was unlovable. And Lord, I pray, Father, help me to live these verses, Lord God. Give me through your Holy Spirit the power to, to love people like you want me to love them, to do kind acts, to do kind things, to do things for people. Give people stuff that I don't expect them to return to me, Lord God, knowing they won't return it. Lord, knowing that that's what you want me to do, Lord. And I know you said that, that my reward would be great, Lord. But I'm not looking for reward, Lord. I'm just looking for your smile. I'm looking for your, your, your kind look, Lord God, on me, Lord. That when I see you, that you'd say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be servants to you, Lord God. Help us to be humble in our service for others. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, 
but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.